raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Friday edition of Breaking with Brett Jensen. 704-570-1110. As always, it's the telephone number. And guys, follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest and breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. And if you would have been following me on Twitter today, you would have seen all the news that I broke concerning the situation at Audrey Kell. We were the first ones to put it out there on Twitter. I was the first one to let everyone know that it was a hoax. I was one of the only people able to get photos and put those out there. Talking to students that were on the inside. Talking to teachers that were on the inside. Talking to parents. I had it all. As a matter of fact, one of the local TV stations reached out to one of the kids messaging me back and forth on Twitter and was like, hey, do I have permission to use your photos? And I just thought that was kind of funny because they didn't have people reaching out to them. I did. So that situation involving Audrey Kell today, thankfully, it wound up being nothing. It was just a scary situation that wound up being a hoax. They call it swatting. So here now is Major J.D. Thomas from CMPD talking about the situation that occurred and just how everything transpired from their side. And then you're going to hear my interview with a ninth grade kid that was in the middle of the Audrey Kell situation and how things looked like from the inside of Audrey Kell High School. First up, Major J.D. Thomas, CMPD. Uh, today at about 11.59, we received a call that has been determined to be a prank call at Audrey Kell High School. It was a call of active violence about a subject being inside, armed, dressed in black, with an automatic weapon shooting everyone. Immediately, CMS enacted their security procedures and CMPD was dispatched multiple officers to the scene. The training that we've done over the last several years worked out great. Um, students were safely gotten into their classrooms, lockdowns happened, officers streamed into the school quickly and were able to ascertain that no violence whatsoever was happening, while our, also our dispatch and intelligence areas were working to show that this was not a local phone call that came in. This is a prank call that is matching things that we've seen in surrounding counties and surrounding states. We still worked with CMS throughout this to make sure that everyone felt safe and that the school was secure. We continue to move through the school, make sure there was no violence, make sure that no one was injured, while working with the CMS staff inside to educate the parents that were arriving outside that this was there was no violence going on at the school and we were going to release the school in a safe and orderly manner. Once again, I cannot say again how smoothly this went. We had a lot of scared students. We had a lot of scared parents. But once they saw that everything was going to plan and going along with the training that we've seen has been needed for events like this, it went well. Uh, we want to thank everyone that showed up, the parents, and believing in the police department and CMS on this. I want to especially commend the principals and the teacher here for keeping their students calm and keeping everybody safe and organized to where this was, we count this as a success. And we are going to go after the person that called this in. And our federal partners and us are going to find that person and make sure they are charged. The same caller called in, and while we were responding to this, called in for Community House School just down the street. Exact same caller, exact same description of the act of violence that was going on. We immediately diverted officers to that and quickly were able to determine uh, that, that everything was safe there. But they also did their lockdown procedures great. We went through the same same clearance procedures and the parents worked with us there. And what time did this threat come in and how quick was that response made to, to lock down the students and to get hospitals here? How, how fast was that response? 11.59 was when the call came in for us. 
I would say, I, I haven't been able to look at the screens yet. I would say, and we had school resource officers here, as soon as they were notified of the call, the lockdown was immediate. I would say three minutes or less, if even that long. And why was that um, speedy response, how does that make a difference and how did the training prepare uh, for the Everyone knew what to do here. You didn't have students running around panicking. They got into the rooms. It was locked down. The teachers know what to do. The principal, I, I know you can't, you, you, you can all hear the intercom. The principal kept the most calm voice I've ever heard the entire time and relayed information as it came through the students and the teachers to keep calm. The very scared students inside. They're still tweeting out and you know sending texts to their parents, which you had a lot of very um, scared parents coming here. But it, when we were able to get that information out, it was able to calm them down. So staying calm and you get that through training. You get that there's procedure for everything, and when the procedure goes right, we're able to make this a lot safer. We're able to get in inside and deal with a threat if we find it. Luckily, like I said, this was not a threat. The bad thing about it, someone is an evil person who made this threat and put all these people through this incident. And, and speak to how, you know, you said you're going to go after, CMPD is going to go after this person. Mm -hmm. um, can you give any detail on what that looks like? No, because I don't want to. We have a lot of intelligence resources that are going to go after and try to identify this person. They will be charged for creating an incident like this. I don't want to go into the details. Well, the charge, to, I mean. Like, uh, there's uh, it's several. Actually, this will rise up to federal levels um, in, in, you know, in, inciting a riot. I mean, all kind, there's several. When we sit down and look at it, it's it's, it's going to be a, a, a great amount of charges that will go on somebody. It's just we, have, we do have to find them and they might not be local this we doubt this is a student this could be somebody from another country this could be somebody in another state that's the problem when, when we deal with an incident like this can you talk anything about the circulated image on TikTok? it's it's a separate matter uh, we're working to identify that person and and get them in hand but it is not related to this it's just some bad timing and now what was it like inside the classrooms at audrey cal high school here's my interview with a ninth grade student Talk to me about the very beginning and what you were doing when you heard it was a lockdown. So basically, we were, I was in my AP psychology class, and he was explaining one of the things, and I was just like listening to what he was talking about. And over the speaker, we heard, teachers, it's lockdown. And the teacher didn't know what was going on, and neither did the students. At first, we thought it might be like a drill, but we weren't exactly sure what it was. I'm talking to a ninth grade student that was in the midst of the Audrey Kell situation today. So the lockdowns today, did everything go as according to plan? Did you guys do what you were supposed to do? Usually, I'm not sure what happened, but for our specific class, until um, one of the other students asked him, we never barricaded the door. It was just locked, and we just sat in our chair as normal, or we either went to the back or sat underneath the chair, which very few children did. After a while, me and the teacher, we had to carry one of the desks to the front, and place it against the door. So you guys are in lockdown. The door's been barricaded. Are you guys getting scared? Are students getting scared? What was it like inside the classroom? Um, a few of the people were nervous, and they didn't really know what was going on. Some people started freaking out, and they were scared. And some people were also, like, cracking jokes as well. But, like, a lot of people were, like, slightly nervous, and they didn't know what was really going on, whether or not something was happening. Except like over social media and stuff, rumors spread really quickly about what happened. And we're still not sure whether or not that stuff was escalated. Like some people talked about like people breaking into the school, seniors having a gun, someone sneaking a gun in. There was even pictures of someone saying not going to school tomorrow. So you said you guys were looking on social media. Were you looking on Snapchat? That was one of like the primary sources because a lot of people check like the Archie Tell stories on Snapchat.
oh yeah a lot of people were like taking pictures messaging their parents and that also led to like a lot of the parents getting freaked out as well as the children talking to a ninth grade student that was in the midst of the audrey kell lockdown today and the terror that was going on there so talk to me about the lockdown when it ended how did you know that it ended did they announce it over the intercom did a cop come by how did that happen um so actually both of those happened so basically over the intercom the principal went over the intercom and talked about how um the castle is clear which is what she said over the intercom the castle is clear and she talked about how they've checked everything and a cop will be coming by and doing a sweep search across every single class there was multiple cops as well so the cop went and then he um, opened the door to our classroom he talked to the teacher saying like all right, I'm going to leave this door open and we're just going to like look over. He didn't really do like much like a looking over part, but he did go over and um, like check our room, left the door open and walked to the next classroom. So after everything was cleared in the school, what was it like afterwards? Were people still scared and wanting to go home? What was it like? Afterwards, they had to make us go to fourth block so they could know where all of us were. And all, a lot of the kids were frantically, like, running to fourth block. And a lot of their parents were there, making them want to go home and not make their parents wait. Because a lot of them, would, like, were, like, saying, my parents are there. And they were getting yelled at by the teachers because, like, they need to be able to um, see where they are. So that way it's not a problem on the school. So a lot of kids had to go walk to fourth block where it was, like, incredibly clouded in the main um, mess area. And... Once you went to fourth block and sat down, it took around like six, seven minutes before they got everything into order and started calling our names over the intercom. So now looking back at it, do you think you guys did everything the right way? Do you think that you guys were as safe as you possibly could have been? What do you think how it went today? Well, honestly, in my opinion, we weren't really able to gather a lot of information because some of the other students they were on the first floor. They saw cops with, like, armed cops entering the building and, like, SWAT teams and stuff. But I was on the second floor, meaning I wasn't able to really see much. But from what I heard, there was, like, two major rumors going around. The first one was there was someone who robbed a, a gas station, and after that they walked through the forest and entered the cafeteria with a gun. And the second one was there was a picture circulating around of a guy who had a gun and said, don't come to school tomorrow. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. So there you have it, the very interesting stuff from the major and the student there at Audrey Hill. Stuff going on on the outside, what was happening on the inside. Really, really compelling stuff, and thankfully... It was just a big hoax. It could have been a lot worse, as we all know, and we've seen all over the news. All right, when we come back, Scott Hamilton from the WBT Newsroom will be joining us because there's still a lot of things going on over there in Indian Trail concerning a censorship of the mayor pro tem. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Friday edition of Breaking with Brett Jensen. Okay, so now we have Scott Hamilton from the WBT Newsroom joining us. So, Scott, you've been following this situation rather closely with the mayor pro tem being censored and 
putting things potentially not true on Facebook or in, somewhere on social media. So where do things stand now? Well, the, another city council meeting is coming up. It just so happens it's on Tuesday. And some people in the community, most notably this trio of candidates for city council, uh, there are three city council spots up for, um, up for election in November. They're waiting for the mayor pro tem, uh, the council member who made these remarks. Um, they're waiting for an apology from Todd Barber. They say that's the thing that's been lacking and because he has not come out and apologized for either making up comments, misquoting somebody, or really taking accountability for the whole flap. They say that this dark cloud is looming over everything and it's making it hard for, uh, for people to get together and work. Talk with Scott Hamilton. So Scott, talk about the town manager and how all this involves her. She was reading a report and they paid $90,000 to a group to do a, um, some kind of economic impact study or something of that nature to talk about how to create revenue streams and revitalize the downtown area on Indian Trail. And she's the person that Todd Barber was quoting or misquoting or making up stuff about or whatever. And she came under fire because all of his stuff was posted on social media and people reacted, oh, I can't believe somebody would say we don't want churches. She hasn't gotten an apology. And the people I've spoken with are wondering, how is she able to go about her job as the town manager? How uncomfortable is the environment for her? Because she's not an elected official. She's an actual town employee. And what she was doing was reading a report and giving her professional assessment. And she also said, Brett, and again, video, all these meetings are videos. You've been to a gazillion meetings, and you know there's always a record of these things. She actually said in one of the meetings that, if they didn't agree with the study, then they could change parts of it. So if they wanted to put a college or a cathedral or a, a church or a synagogue or whatever in the middle of Indian Trail, that they can do it. And yet, this is still happening. Scott, what do you expect on Tuesday at the Indian Trail City Council meeting? I think they're hoping for an apology. They're hoping that Todd Barber steps up and clarifies a few things because he hasn't really taken accountability. And, and the whole thing is just perplexing, man. I mean, there was a comment posted on social media with quote marks, and then there was a different comment put on social media after he got called out for that comment that had quote marks. And I hate to put my editorial hat on too much, you know, my, and, and, and give my opinion. I'm wondering if he knows what a quote mark means, that if it's in a quote mark, it's, a, it's like verbatim what a person said. I, I am baffled. He also says that he has the transcripts from the meeting, and the transcripts don't match with what the video is showing. That's what some people told me today. So I, I don't know. I'm just hoping he comes up, he comes forward, tries to clear this thing up as best he can, offers an apology, no matter how insincere it might be or sincere, and that they can move on because this thing is festering in what is otherwise a pretty cool community. Didn't you try to reach out to Barber? I did, and I did not get a call back. Um, I'm going to try again hopefully before the next town council meeting, and maybe he can clarify it with me. I'll just ask him straight up, did you say this? Why did you say this? And if what you said was incorrect or has been taken incorrectly, are you contrite? And have you and have you spoken to the town manager about it? I've spoken to her about it and, and offered her an olive branch or even an explanation. That, that's what I'm wondering. I mean, if, they, if, he's, if he's offered her an explanation behind closed doors, I still think that needs to be divulged, Brett, because this woman is still catching a lot of heat. What about that study that's caused all the controversy? Where do they stand with the study right now? 
Well, the study is yet to actually go past the planning board. And I'm, I'm wondering, I, and I didn't quite get clarification this morning. I'm wondering if it's ready to go to the town council yet. But what I'm getting is that it's not. But they paid $90,000 for this study. And it's not just about the churches. I mean, it's about downtown as a whole, as you said. And, and what, is, what is the best use of the downtown space? The people I spoke with, they were, they're against it. They feel that that $90,000 could have been better served in some other capacity, that they could have maybe done a study in-house and brought in a couple of experts here and there to kind of help guide them along the way, shepherd them along the way. Um, one person I spoke with had a really cool idea, um, make it an historical area, make the downtown an historical area. And, I, you know, I think about Davidson. Davidson downtown, the traffic stinks, it's airtight, the university is right up on you, but they own that. It's historical, it's got its own vibe, and that's never going to change. They're not going to drastically alter that or do anything to really expand the infrastructure because they want to keep it like that. I can kind of see them doing the same thing at Indian Trail, but not up to me. We'll just we'll see what they want when this thing finally goes to city council. Some wild stuff going on over there in Indian Trail. I look forward to talking to Scott again about this next week as this thing gets deeper and deeper. Some wild stuff. All right, let's swing on over to the WBT Newsroom with Anna Erickson. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Friday night. All right, yesterday I played part one of my sit-down interview one-on-one with CPCC, Central Piedmont Community College President, Dr. Candy Dietemeyer. This week, they celebrated their 60th anniversary, so I wanted to talk to her more about the community college that has a big impact in Charlotte. Getting to the campuses for a second, some 45,000 students, six campuses, how much bigger can you get? So that's a great question. We have just finished a new facilities master plan, and the goal really of that master plan is to take us into the future. We really don't, beyond a couple of things that we can talk about out at the North Campus in Huntersville or out at Levine and Matthews um, around public safety, really doesn't call for us to build any more buildings in the short run, maybe in a couple of years, a couple parking decks and take up down a building that's beyond its life. Um, it really is about reimagining spaces. You were recently over in the PAR Center, our new student union, library, amazing theater, facility space. Students really want that kind of transparency, that open space. And so just reimagining some spaces. In ter- that's about facilities, though. Your question, and I, which I'm hopeful, is really about how much can we facilitate in terms of human capital and c- human capacity for teaching and learning. Um, we have lots of classes that are still open. There are spaces that are open that have capacity to reimagine and bring new programs. So there's lots of room for growth using the current existing facilities. Again, it's all about those individuals in our community who should be here, who really want to be here, um, that we're trying to reach out. And we're trying to do that through some new marketing ways you've probably seen. And um, we're drawing more people in every day. So that's really the capacity building that we've been focused on, whether it's the leadership team or the faculty and staff or really our board of trustees. It's been for the last two years about capacity building. That's been our theme. And it's less about infrastructure or buildings than it is about the capacity of who we are as leaders and for bringing more students in. And yesterday we launched a new um, academy for transformational leadership. Our top 40 leaders, including myself, going through something with the Center for Creative Leadership about building our capacity to be leaders of the future. Leading in community colleges and leading in higher ed today looks very different than it did two years ago or 10 years ago. And so trying to prepare them and really invest in those leaders who are so dedicated and committed to the work that we're doing and the mission of this institution 
is going to be incredible. So that's the type of capacity building that we're really looking at. How do we build human be human capital, whether it's our students or the talent that we have at the college? Talking with Dr. Candy Dietermeyer, the president here at Central Piedmont Community College. So what's on the horizon for the next six years? I mean, you've been here seven. What's what's it look like for the next seven? Yeah, so it'll be seven in January. It's been an incredible opportunity for both me personally and professionally and my family. So I just want to say thank you to the community and to everyone at the college who's just embraced me and my family and the vision of where I think we are trying to go. It's been, it's been exciting. So the question is about the next six years. So we have this runway about facilities, master planning. We have this great new vision about capacity building. And you heard me mention the comprehensive campaign we were able to do. And that really is, uh, again, building our leaders for the next innovative you know, strategies that we have as an institution. So continuing to bring students into the campus and, and other adult learners who need to be here. That's the market that we know we have to continue to tap into. There's a lot of adults in Charlotte-Mecklenburg who need to reskill or want to go back to college, try something different. Perhaps it's somebody who may be going through a reduction in force coming up. And so how do they find their place here and what's that next career going to look like? And so we're excited about those things. We do have some build out going on at our Huntersville campus in, in the north part of the county around public safety, specifically with our um, our, our fire program and having all of, of those agencies involved in the design of that so that we can train the next generation, make sure they're getting the continuing training that they need. So that's exciting. And then we're going to build a new public safety facility out in, in Matthews at our living campus. Um, recently got a, a, a land gift from a major uh, donor, excited about that. And you'll hear more about that. You've probably read a little bit about it, but I won't get ahead of a, a big announcement. But excited about what that land agreement will, will give us and how we're going to be able to build out some things around public safety, not only to train the next generation of law enforcement and fire, but also, um, again, the training that needs to happen right now for those who are continuing in that career field. So those are the things immediately in the next, I'd say, two to three years that are going to be unfolding and then continuing to invest in the talent that we have to make sure Central Piedmont's continuing to do great things. Talking with Dr. Candy Dietermeyer, the president here at Central Piedmont Community College. Okay, so if, if students are here and they're taking the early college classes and they want to transfer to Carolina or UNC Charlotte or wherever, do they generally do better or worse? Is it sustain, do, are they, do they stay in college? How do they do once they leave here? Yeah, so the data will show you that if a student starts at a community college, typically when they go to a four-year as a transfer student, they do, they do better. And part of that is they don't have to get acclimated to a four-year environment as a freshman. They have a little bit of college under their belt. They know that they can do the work. The rigor is still the same. And so the data does show that they tend to, to do better. And our students are scholars. You know, our average GPA for a, for a graduating class is 3.4 you know, that's a collective, right? That's the average. And so these, these individuals are working hard. It might take them a little longer than two years to complete a degree. Um, the majority of our students are part-time. 70% of the students who come to the college are part-time. And so they're managing life. That doesn't mean all of them are parents, but they're working two and three jobs. They're managing life. They're, they, some of them, obviously, we do have a lot of students who are parents. And so they're juggling. And many students who will come here and then transfer know that they can manage life, juggle a lot of things, handle academic rigor. And so when they decide to finally make that transfer, the academics and, and having to get oriented to a large college, you know, university campus, they've already shown that they can manage that. 
And so the data will show that they typically do better, and the majority of students will finish. But look, um, you know, if you look across the data, we all can do better in higher ed about making sure students get to the, to the goal line, whether that's you want to get a two-year degree and go right into the workforce or transfer. That's, that's something that we're all working on. Talking with Dr. Candy Dietemeyer, the president here at Central Piedmont Community College. Appreciate this. I know that you've been busy, so I do appreciate that. Thank you for coming out, but I'm so grateful you covered the 60th anniversary. And to every alumni who might be listening to your show, thank you for allowing us to make an impact in your life. And for every student that, who's going to listen to this and say, you know what, I think I need to go check them out. We just welcome them through the open doors that we have. And thank you for the time today. I really appreciate it. All right, so that's going to wrap up my interview with Dr. Candy Dietemeyer. I really do appreciate her taking the time out of her busy work week to sit down and talk to me for about 30 minutes. You can also go to WBT.com and check out any of these interviews as well as other things that I put on this show as well. All right, it is Panthers Friday. The Carolina Panthers and Andy Dalton, your quarterback, is up next. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you in this final segment of Breaking with Brett Jensen. All right, it is Panthers Friday. Andy Dalton going to be the quarterback. Uh, that's what we keep hearing. And Bryce Young is going to miss this because of a sprained ankle. They play at Seattle. So Andy Dalton spoke with the media about, hey, the last couple of years you've been a backup and you've had to play the starting role. What's this going to be like? You expect to start on Sunday? You know, for me, I'm just preparing the same way I prepare every week. Um, you know, we'll see how it goes as the week goes on. But, um, yeah, with, with Bryce down right now, I'm getting getting the reps and preparing um, uh, like I do every week. With this new short yardage role, it seems like you're going to play one way or another. How have you embraced that so far? Yeah, you get, get some action, get to be part of the game. And, um, you know, it was effective on one of them uh, last week. And uh, I like to think it could have been on the, on the first one, too. So, um, yeah, it was fun to, to have a role and, and to, to be part of it. As a quarterback, getting these reps today, the big install day, how significant is that for any quarterback? I mean, what is Bryce missing when he's not out there? Well, I mean, I think at the end of the day, you, you're going to, for him, he's not going to have these reps today in practice, but he's had these reps for all training camp, OTAs, all that kind of stuff. So it's not like, um, yeah, I mean, you'd love to have the week of practice, but uh, I don't, that doesn't affect anything when you go into a game. What's the biggest challenge playing in Seattle? I think it's just handling all the, the environment, the, the noise, just all the extra stuff. It's got to make sure that you have that extra bit of focus that you, um, that you have to have. And, you know, you, every week you want to make sure you're communicating well, but, I mean, when you go into an environment like this, you definitely have to make sure everybody's on the same page. Thomas just told us he said, Bryce got hurt in the first half Monday. Did you see the play where he got hurt? I did not. Did you know? When did you know? I I didn't know anything. Um, Does this situation remind you at all of of 21 in Chicago where early in the season you started and then you got hurt and you came? You know, that you were already working with the number one pick 
and get an early playing time? Yeah, um, I mean, it's, the situation is a little bit different because I went in week one as a starter, and then I was the one that, that, that got hurt. Um, I think the situation is a little different from that aspect of, uh, you know, knowing that Bryce, he came in and he was going to be the starter, and is, uh, you know, from the beginning we knew that was going to happen. And so, um, you know, whenever Bryce is healthy, I mean, you know he's going to step right back in there and he's going to be the one playing. As a quarterback, is this a good chance for him to just take a step back after two games and just to see the big picture and, and, and learn from that? You know, I think there's two thoughts on, on that. Yeah, you can, you can say it that way if you want. You can take a step back. You don't have uh, – you get to see the game from a different perspective. Uh, but also the best thing is playing. That's the best ex- – experience is the best thing for you to, to make you better. And so um, – I mean, there's, there's two thoughts on all that, but um, yeah, we'll just see how it goes this week. You get a chance to play on Sunday. How do you, th- and you've had a chance now to watch this team for a couple of games on the sidelines. How do you think you could help the offense a little bit and maybe jumpstart them where it hasn't been as smooth as, as some has hoped? You know, for me, I'm just going to operate like I know that I can. Um, you know, I think for me, it just starts with, uh, you know, being myself and, uh, Pushing guys, pushing the tempo, pushing everything that we need to do to uh, give ourselves a chance. And um, I think at the end of the day, if you look at our couple of games, we've hurt ourselves, and um, we've had opportunities to, uh, you know, kind of change the outcome of some of these games. But then we've have a setback. Uh, we've had some turnovers that that hurt us and and, and different things. So um, for me, I'm just going out there and try to be as efficient as I can. Starter for a long time, kind of transitioned into that veteran backup role. Was last year coming in and playing for an extended time and playing pretty well? Was that kind of validation for you? Uh, I mean, I think for me, like you said, I've, I've played everywhere I've been, and I've had a significant amount of playing time everywhere I've been. I just had the nine years in in Cincy uh, when Dak got got hurt. Um, you know, got to play a majority of that season as well. You know, even in Chicago, I had some, and then last year to have it. So it's like, I, I wouldn't say it's validation. I'm not trying to convince anybody with what I can do. I think for me, once I got here and got to be around the staff and got to be around these players, my whole goal was just to be me and to show them how I operate, how I do things. And um, it, People here have been very receptive of what I've been able to do. And then also taking on the role of helping out Bryce and making sure that uh, we can get him up to speed on everything that he needs to do um, and needs to know from uh, you know all the different aspects of, of the game. So uh, validation, I wouldn't say that because I know what I'm capable of. How would you describe the noise in Seattle? And have there been moments where you played there where that's really impacted you? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a great environment. When you talk about the NFL and the environments and uh, crowd noise. And this is definitely one of those places that uh, first hit your brain. And so, um, like I said, it's it, it, it can become a uh, factor in the game if you let it, but that's where you've got to make sure you're communicating well. Bryce is a guy who only missed one game in three seasons at Alabama. How has he kind of responded? How has he been dealing with this? He's been good. He's been locked in. It's like a, any other week for him. And he's he's handled it well, and so uh, we'll just kind of see how the week progresses for him. You said that you felt like the first couple of weeks you guys beat yourselves. Uh, why do you feel like the offense maybe hasn't had the type of success 
that we expected from you all early this season? Yeah, I don't think there's one thing that, that has caused it. I feel like it's been, um, you know, different things every single time, different guys uh, taking turns on um, whether we missed assignments or just not, not the execution just hasn't been there. And that's the thing with offensive football. Everybody's got to be on the same page. Everybody has to be working together for it to work. And, uh, you know, it just it hasn't happened at times. And our goal is to get that fixed and, and get it rolling. Thomas brought up uh, that, you know, sometimes you'll coach up the younger wide receivers. That was what Josh was known for when he was a player, too. I'm just curious, how important is it for the quarterback to to work in that role as kind of like a player coach with other offensive players? It's definitely big, and especially for me in the position that I've been in, I'm just an extension of Bryce. And so if I know Bryce is thinking uh, something, he may not have the time to go up and say something to a receiver. He maybe's taking another rep and they're over the side. So I think it's making sure, again, making sure everybody's on the same page of, of what we want and what we're expecting to allow us to um, click and to flow how we need to. And you've obviously played in the league for a really long time. You've got a lot of tape. Have you guys ever, have you ever watched tape with Bryce of, of your own tape and said, hey, this is what I was thinking on this. This is how, like, contextually you can learn from this? Bryce would probably laugh at that question because anytime we install a play or something, I'm usually the first one to be like, here, check this out. Watch, watch me do this. Or look at this touchdown. And I'm not the only one. Josh can do it too. So um, both of us kind of go back and uh, pull from our archive. All right, that's this play. All right, this reminds me of back in 2013 when I did this or, you know, all that kind of stuff. So uh, there's definitely things that, that I, I go back and show them some of the stuff that I've done. Has this week been more fun? For me, obviously, yeah. you know, <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. You know, it's always nice because um, I've had a certain way of operating like my whole career. And I think when you go from starting to being the backup, that's one of the things that you miss is scout teams. One thing, you know, you're looking at a card and you're, you're running the other team's um, offense. But when you get a chance to kind of take ownership of what you're doing and to know how you want it to look and how you want it to feel, and you actually get to execute it. I mean, that that's what makes football fun. As a backup, anytime you go in, I'm not trying to start in trouble, but as a backup, are you going to get your job back? Is that the mindset? Like, I'm going to do something that, that gets me back where I want to be? My goal is to win, and, um, you know, especially here, this is Bryce's thing. I'm not here to make this a competition, make this anything. I'm here to help the team. It's really going to be interesting to see what happens if Carolina actually goes there and wins and what's going to happen next week when Minnesota comes to town. Do you let Andy Dalton continue to be the quarterback or do you go back to Bryce Young? A lot of interesting questions going forward. All right, everyone, that's going to be it for tonight. I appreciate it. It's been a crazy and hectic Friday. Monday looks to be the same. And by the way, I do have a show on Monday. I do have a show on Monday as a programming note. So I will see you then. I'm Brett Jensen, and you've been listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.